He believes Chad should stay. And Chad, on his side, to compound the irony, is quite prepared to leave. This is almost all the plot to be found in the novel. Moreover, the story is a spare of furnishings and small physical detail as a play. Only the essential props are on the stage. E.M. Forster long ago light-heartedly mocked this frugality. The novel, he said, was an hourglass. Halfway through, it had to be turned over or it would come to a standstill. And he was at one with Gide, who spoke of James's letting, quote, only just enough steam escape to run his engine ahead from page to page. And I do not believe, Gide added, that economy, that reserve has ever sagaciously been carried further, unquote. Mr. Forster, however, felt that James's economy in The Ambassadors was stinginess. The characters were, quote, incapable of fun, of rapid motion, of carnality, and of nine-tenths of heroism. Their clothes will not take off. The diseases that ravage them are anonymous, like the sources of their income. Their servants are noiseless or resemble themselves. No social explanation of the world we know is possible for them, for there are no stupid people in their world, no barriers of language, and no poor. Even their sensations are limited. They can land in Europe and look at works of art and at each other, but that is all." Behind his humour and exaggeration, Mr. Forster, in effect, is saying that his curiosity has not been satisfied. He would, we judge, want to know the source of the newsome wealth. And James refuses to say what common household subject they manufacture in Woolwich. He would perhaps like to see Chad and Madame de Vionnet remove their clothes at their inn instead of allowing them in their informal attire to be discovered by Strether in their boat. But it is at the core of the ambassadors that James is not going to bother with usual details. He is much more concerned with how his people feel and what they see. The whole of everything is never told, James had once said. And in this novel, he attempts the fascinating experiment of withholding information rather than pouring it out in the manner of Trollope or Dickens. He creates a new fictional economy. He has all but banished from this novel the old-time omniscient author who had presided godlike over Victorian novels and knew every thought and action of his characters. James begins by placing us in the middle of his events. It is we who must sort things out. The author intrudes only to give us a helping hand. In this, he spoils the fun for many readers who do not read novels for so much ratiocination. For others, however, he offers the constant and teasing delight of exploration and discovery. He had earlier, almost a dozen years before, teased his readers in one of his novels by suddenly telling them that he could not, quote, answer every question to which the occasion might give birth, unquote, because he had decided to tell his story not as if he were all-knowing, but through the minds of his characters. In other words, by, quote, the indirect vision, unquote.
The Ambassadors is a story revealed rather than told. And the moment we recognise this, we cannot ask that it provide all the answers sought by Mr Forster. From realism, we might say, James moved to impressionism. His novel partakes of the painting which gives effects of light and colour and even of the condition of poetry which suggests and implies and symbolises, rather than spelling things out for us in a prosy way. Not least in his withholding of his information, James has kept a central character off stage. She remains in America. She is like the State Department itself. She sends ambassadors, but is fixed in her capital. Mrs Newsom is always in Woolwich. She remains an implacable power.